Hello, and welcome to the Anatomy Nerd Podcast. In today's mini-sode, I will be nerding out about the anatomy of singing. La, 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 la. Sorry about that. I don't have a great singing voice, but I do have lots of fun information to share with you about how your body, specifically your larynx, creates noise, aka your voice. I found a great article by Christina Selchenko of thevoicestudio.com who simplifies it so beautifully. I just love how she kind of just broke it down into kind of layman's terms, if you will. She explains that although there's a part of the body called the voice box, which is the larynx, singing and speaking requires far more than just this one organ. And it's so true. I'm going to give you the details on that. Singers create sound by using the abdominal and back muscles, the rib cage, lungs, the oral cavity, and more. The vocal cords, also called the vocal folds, are membranes that open and close while singing, speaking, or making noises. It's kind of a snap motion if you want to think of it that way. I highly recommend checking out a video of it on YouTube. It's really fascinating. I may or may not have watched a lot of those videos just nerding out on it. As air pressure builds up against the vocal cords, they snap together and a sound is created. When they are snapped gently, a soft sound is heard, and when they snap forcefully, a loud sound is the result. The quicker the cord opens and closes, the higher the resulting pitch. They have pretty impressive endurance, too. Vocal cords open and close 100 times per second during normal speech. That's really wild to me. That's so fast. Like I, I didn't quite realize that until I'd read this really fun article. I was like, oh, very, very, very cool. Nerding out a little bit over here, guys. Let's continue. The vestibular fold in the larynx is called the false vocal cords and should not be confused with the true vocal cords. The false vocal cords sit just above the true vocal cords and prevent food and other things from entering the trachea when swallowing. They typically don't play a major role in speech or singing. Crack open your anatomy books and take a peek to see what I'm talking about. It's pretty easy to see the distinction between the two. Selshenko continues to explain that when you start to sing, you begin by breathing. The muscles of the larynx bring the vocal cords together. They stay closed until enough pressure builds up against the true vocal cords and a burst of air escapes through. As you run out of breath, the vocal cords are once again drawn together. So now you know that the vocal cords do not work like a stringed instrument, really. They don't produce sound by vibrating against each other. The sound is actually produced by the pressure changes created when small jets of air pass through moving vocal cords. This is why it can be helpful to think of breath control as the steam engine that makes the machinery of singing function, which is so brilliant. I I just love the comparison. The comparisons like that are super helpful. It really drives home the understanding of how this part of your body works. So I love that she put it that way. So when you're looking at a picture of the voice box, you can see that the term cord is a little misleading since the cords are actually folds of tissue. They're made up of several layers of cells and in a healthy cord, the uppermost layer is kind of loose. So that's interesting. So I've mentioned that to make sound, the vocal cords open and close, right? But let's get into some of the details here. They don't open all at once. 
the lower part of the vocal cord opens first and then gradually the cords open a little bit wider and then they close again. And anything that interferes with this process, like a swelling from an injury or incorrect singing or smoking or small lesions, any of that can cause hoarseness and that will reduce voice quality. The voice box rests in the neck and is made of four basic components. The skeleton, intrinsic muscles, which move the vocal cords among other things, extrinsic muscles, which adjust the position of the larynx in the neck, and mucosa. The intrinsic muscles alter the position, shape, and tension of the vocal cords and can bring them close together, spread them apart, or stretch them in length. So let's dive into the resonators. For those of you who don't know what resonance is, here's a little detail to help. Voiced sound is amplified and modified by the vocal tract resonators, and resonators produce a person's recognizable voice. The tongue, palate, oral cavity, nasal cavity, sinus cavity, chest cavity, pharynx, and other anatomical structures act as resonators for singers, and for anyone using their voice too, truly. They are mostly responsible for vocal quality. The vocal cords themselves produce a buzzing sound, and the resonators are necessary to create music and speech. When we begin talking about placement of the voice, we will mostly be dealing with the resonators and finding out how to use them in their best advantage. A common method to finding quote-unquote good placement is to sing while smiling inward. And I thought that was a really kind of a fun little detail that that she added there. She continues to explain that when you smile inward, this raises your cheekbones and allows the vocal sound to enter and resonate inside the area called the mask. And you'll feel this vibration in your teeth and in your lips and your cheekbones, your nasal cavity, and possibly the forehead. So you guys are uh, in for some real fun here. I'm going to give you a little example of the difference between just like a relaxed face and singing and then smiling inward and singing. So here's just relaxed. La, 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 la. And here is smiling, like a big smile on my face. La, 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 la. It sounds pretty different, right? Like there's a lot more fullness to it. There's a lot more room for the voice to resonate, to, to vibrate around and, and get bigger. Pretty cool, right? So your sinus cavities are where you'll resonate your highest notes. Your nasal cavity, your teeth and your lips, and the upper pharynx, these three are sometimes referred as the mask. So that's what I, I mentioned earlier. I should have mentioned that earlier. Those three parts are what make up the mask. And this is where your head voice lies. This is where all of those vibrations happen. This area is also important for high belting, so really getting your voice out there. The oral cavity, the soft palate, and the middle pharynx are where you'll resonate your chest voice. So let's get into the diaphragm. The diaphragm has a huge part in producing sound and voice. The diaphragm is the power source for singing, truly. The purpose of the diaphragm is to generate a force which directs a controlled airstream between the vocal folds, which is necessary for vocalization to occur. The principal muscle that helps us breathe in is the diaphragm. So if you're unfamiliar with it, the diaphragm is a dome-shaped muscle that extends along the bottom of the rib cage and the rib muscles. And many of the muscles used for expelling breath are also in this 
quote-unquote support system. These muscles either raise abdominal pressure, forcing the diaphragm upward, or lower the ribs and breastbone and thereby compressing air in the chest. The chest and the back muscles are also involved in this process. So you can kind of see that it's not just this little voice box in your throat. It's it's kind of like you're really your whole core working to get your voice out of your mouth. And, and when you're singing, to really project that voice. So I thought all of that was really fun and interesting. Again, I'll be posting the articles that I use to research this episode on the show notes so you can find it there. And just remember that none of this is medical advice. We're just nerding out about singing. All right. I hope you enjoyed the episode. Have a lovely one, you guys. 